Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Drives the baseline, tight ropes it, bounce past the Bogdanovich, tough pickup, flares it from five feet out, up and in. Jazz haven't missed much recently. Donovan at the top. Drives with the left hand. Gobert rolls. Donovan will rise and fire and hit. Oh, you are filthy, young man. Donovan Mitchell. 16-2 run. Jazz by 14. Utah Jazz get the wins over the weekend. They beat the Boston Celtics Friday. They beat the Pistons Saturday. They sweep the four-game road trip. And no, I did not see that coming. Figured they'd go at least 2-2, two and two, probably 3-1, and one, but 4-0. No, I can't figure these guys out. And no, I don't know what it means to come next. I think the, the most uh, optimistic thing you can say about the Jazz, they've had two losing streaks here. If we ignore the whole winning, losing, winning, losing. They've had two big losing streaks here. The first one... If you're being really optimistic here, you just chalk it up to, well, they won 19 out of 21. They're bound to have a slump, and that's what it was. And then the, the second losing streak coming out of the break, well, they were fat and happy. They thought they figured everything out going into the All-Star break, and they got caught. Now, that was a lot of home games to lose, so I don't even know if I can buy the second one. I buy, the, I buy, I buy my own nonsense on the first one before I buy the second one. Now, if those two things happen to be true, then the Jazz can just get on a roll here to the finish and it could be great and everyone could be happy again. But it does feel like there's another up and another down. Because why? Because that's how roller coasters work and that's what everyone's been on lately. Now, the good news for the Jazz, well, they are uh, on the upswing right now. Man, everybody else is on the downswing. It has been bad times at the OK Corral for... uh, for everybody around him. And let's get to that. Jazz and Raptors tonight. We'll talk about that Toronto game coming up. Raptors second in the East, the only Eastern team the Jazz haven't beaten. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The two big dogs tangle, and the Lakers beat the Clippers. Finally. And Twitter, this is what Twitter's good for. You know, we all know that... Uh, Social media has its flaws. But the upside to this is I don't have to have a bunch of people in Los Angeles over, over to my house. I don't have to buy them food. I don't have to clean up before they come and clean up after they leave. I just pop onto Twitter and watch all the Laker fans saying, Ah, Doc was out coached. Larry the Laker was going nuts on that one. The Lakers delivered a message. Of course, the Clippers won the first two games. What really matters? Well, what matters is... If they meet, assuming they meet, what happens in those seven games? The Laker fan right now is sure they've got the upper hand on the Clippers now that they've beaten them for the first time in three tries. PK, you buying that? I'm sure you saw Larry the Laker on Twitter just going nuts. Well, Larry the Laker needs to shut his mouth. <laughs> I'm sick of him. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a nice game. I mean, it's still March, but 
Lakers came out determined, and uh, the Clippers, you know, Lou Williams had a bad game. Avery Bradley, if Avery Bradley's going to go 6 for 12 from 3, the Lakers are probably going to be very good. You know, I'm not counting on him being able to do that four times against the Clippers, but he did it on, what, March 8th, so you got to give him credit. He made baskets. LeBron is just an amazing uh, human being as far as a basketball player goes. He is, what would you call it? He He's the unusual guy that at 35 is literally showing zero signs of slowing down whatsoever. Right now, to me, he is certainly the league MVP, which you would probably know this. is Would that be the oldest MVP? What did, what did Malone get? How old was Malone? Uh, Carl Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the two I'll have to check on that. Uh, they were in that neighborhood, but I can't tell you exactly what age they were. Um, yeah. Carl got it in 99, so I'm going to say that Carl was older, but that's a guess. 99 didn't count, but they only played 50 games. Yeah. The Thunder beat the Celtics, and the Thunder moved past the Rockets. Uh, there's been a lot of losing going on. The, the Rockets have a four-game losing streak. Uh, the Magic just dominated them in Houston. And of the Rockets' four losses, three are to lottery teams, and one is to a playoff team. Uh, the Nuggets lost to Golden State. They lost to Cleveland this week. Dallas lost home to the Pacers, and they just dropped a game to the Bulls on the road. So the Jazz get a lot of separation from a lot of teams, pick up ground on a lot of teams. But the Thunder, with a Dennis Schroeder double team and timely steal with 10 seconds to go, when I think we all assumed they were fouling. But he gets a steal in a bucket, and that's the game-winning bucket, and they beat the Boston Celtics. So the Thunder now fifth in the West in a game and a half behind the Jazz. That's crazy right now because teams that we thought were going to be winning are losing, and then the teams that we thought stink a week ago, now they're winning, and who knows what's going to happen. What good team is going to go on a losing streak next? I mean, I'm in Vegas. I'm going to go and find that out and put some money on it. No, I'm not because I'd get in trouble, but you get the point. (laughs) I get the point. If you knew the unknowable, you could be rich, but since it's unknowable, you can't know it, and you're just destined to flush money away anyway. And then uh, who? The Clippers signed Noah... Uh, Joachim Noah, speaking of the knowable, I mean, it's just crazy. Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to miss a couple of games. He missed one yesterday, and the uh, Bucks got beat in Phoenix, and he's not going to play against the Nuggets in Denver tonight. He's got a minor joint capsule sprain. Hurt his left knee in L.A. in their loss Friday night to the Lakers. Hey, you think he's going to miss those games, or he's just not going to play? Because I don't know if he's going to miss them. Yeah, that's what I meant, PK. Thanks for splitting hairs. Okay. He gets to watch the game in street clothes because they had a shot of him during the, uh, the Phoenix game. Bucks and Nuggets are on NBA TV tonight at 7, but, you know, that's when the Jazz are on, so you'll probably be watching them. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Porter hands over to Merrill. Tie ball game. 15 seconds. They're setting up for Merrill for a final shot. Tie ball game. Chance to win the conference championship. Sam Merrill against Fagan. Seven seconds, six seconds, five seconds. Sam rises for three. Yes! You've got to be kidding me. Sam, I am Merrill. Straight away three. 2.5 seconds left in the game. Sam Merrill is a freaking stud. And that's how Scott Gerard made the open at Sports Center right there. Sam Merrill. Oh, good for Scott. Freaking stud. That was a big time play. The Aztecs had had the same opportunity in a previous possession. They missed their three. Aggies hit theirs, and that's the difference in the game. 
Now they're in probably either a 10 or an 11 seed, and they wait to find out where they're going. They just know they don't have to go to Dayton for a Tuesday or Wednesday game. Into the main draw, the round of 64. That was awesome, man. I think they would have been either way, but certainly it clinched that. And it's crazy. They've had a crazy season, you know, and then, what, in January, losing three, with, uh, and then three out of five or three out of four, and then to have that, it was it was a great, great, uh, great tournament for them. They had a lot of fun times, and, and Merle continues. I mean, he is just the best shooting guard in our state since Danny Ainge, and that generated a fair amount of... Uh, controversy i think it's obvious <laughs> talk about splitting hairs <laughs> we will get to that what coming hairs up. are we splitting it's on facebook what hairs are you splitting yaki wants to know it depends on how we're defining jimmer fredette's position what jimmer jimmy jimmer was a he had the ball in his hands i mean who was the point guard on the cougars it was jimmer fredette it was a point guard on weaver it was yeah, damian good lillard yeah, good point right, come on PK's in Vegas because tonight it's BYU and St. Mary's West Coast Conference Tournament Semifinals, 9.30 on ESPN2. They split head-to-head in the regular season, but that loss in Moragan, no Yoli Childs. So you got to feel like the edge goes to the Cougars tonight. You feeling it, PK? Uh, yes, slightly. A slight edge. I can buy that. Both games were good. Both games were tight. Both games were decided by big plays late. The Utes closed out the regular season. Overtime, they beat Colorado 74-72. They're going to be in the 8-9 game in the conference tournament Wednesday afternoon in Las Vegas. Booth Gotch, career-high 28 points in that one. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. There's also players that I've talked to who said that a 17th game schedule would be okay if there were X, Y, and Z built around it, and, and that X, Y, and Z for a union revolves around better wages, better hours, better working conditions, and better benefits. And that's what this deal has in it. That's NFL Players Association Executive Director DeMarie Smith on the proposed collective bargaining agreement. Number of NFL owners hope the proposed deal does not pass with the players because they think they can negotiate a better deal with eyes on an 18-game season in the future, a league source told ESPN. There are all kinds of politics behind the scenes. Go figure. If they think that, why the heck did they pass this on their own? Well, they'll vote. We'll see if we get a 17th game. Saints are going to put a first-round tender designation on Taysom Hill. That means any team that wants to sign Hill away need to give up a first-round pick. Saints have the right to match any offer, and he gets one year and $4.67 million. Saints plan to re-sign Hill before free agency begins in a couple of weeks. So they hold on to him. I guess they figure they're going to lose Bridgewater now that Breeze is back and all the dominoes fall. Think it's best for Taysom to stay with the Saints? Oh, there's no way of knowing. Uh, well, if he doesn't have any choice, I think he should go wherever he gets the most money. Uh, this is me. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. A short burst of crowd noise as RSL fans celebrate Demir Krylock's 
Goal in the 92nd minute. A 1-1 tie with the New York Red Bulls. Lots of opportunities. Tons of chances. They finally finished one. And so they split the points with the Red Bulls in their opener. The attack looked much better. New York, after scoring early, looked uh, pretty happy to just drop back and defend. And, man, goal line clearances, ball off the post, goal waved off for a handball. There were a ton of opportunities. But RSL can't get the full three points. They go to Columbus next week. DJ and PK, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is going to join us at 8 o'clock to talk about the Aggies winning the conference tournament and the Cougars' chances of doing the same thing this week. Utah State junior guard Abel Porter is going to join us coming up at 9.30 to talk about the Aggies. Coming up next, PK mentioned it, Sam Merrill, best shooting guard in the state since Danny Ainge. We'll get to that next. Tons of reaction. You can hit us up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at David DJ James. Stay with us. is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Joining us right now, Spencer Nelson. So the BYU Cougars, they've been okay. able to really break through to not just be an NCAA tournament team, but I think they're a team that's very capable of making a run. If you were to see anything that gives you pause when it comes to tournament time, what would it be? Honestly, there's not a lot of holes in their game and their team. I'm with you. I think this team is built to make a run in the tournament. They have enough firepower to be able to compete with anyone in the country. I truly believe that but I really do expect this team to be able to make the sweet 16 and then at that point it's just matchups Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees remember it's simple to get started with Homie see more at Homie.com Sam Merrill, the greatest shooting guard in Utah since Danny Ainge. He and the Aggies got their tournament title. What will happen? The Cougars and Utes in their conference tournaments. Cougs start today. They can win it Tuesday night. You'd start Wednesday. Got a ton of responses here, PK. And were you really surprised by the way this went? Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. The vitriol. And I don't even really know what vitriol means, but it sounds like a cool word. I mean, to delete your account I was getting. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't understand what the issue is. I think it's obvious. It's as plain as the nose on your face, my good friend David James Sniggledorf. Yeah, my nose is pretty plain. It's pretty big right there in the middle of my face. Tony says Jimmer was the player of the year. Sam's really good, but come on now. Jimmer was the player of the year. I, I, I voted for him. I have a wooden award vote. Got my ballot just the other day. <laughs> What's that have to do with it? Tony says, uh, I believe Jackson Emery was the point guard on that team. Jimmer was the shooting guard. You can call Jackson whatever, whatever you want, but you close your eyes and you see Jimmer dribbling the ball. Jackson get the ball to Jimmer and get out of the Jackson way. Jackson was not the point guard. <laughs> Get the ball to Jimmer and get out of the way. What's he going to do? I don't know. He might take a 35-footer, but get the ball to Jimmer and get out of the way. I think on that team, Logan Magnuson was more of a point guard. Logan Logan Magnuson. Nice pull. Logan. Logan. (laughs) Magnuson. Magnuson. 
Just give it to Hartsock and call it a day. Scott says, I'm amazed how many people don't know what position Jimmer and Dane played. Carroll was awesome, but Sam's a little more clutch. Let's see what happens in the NCAAs, though. Personally, I love that we have such a great group to talk about. Uh, P.S. Andre Miller was a point guard, too. Hey, you covered yes, a lot was. of, a lot of great of Majerus teams, but they didn't really get their shooting from the two guard, even though that's the rep that position has. With Van Horn and Miller, the Doliak scoring, they scored everywhere on the floor except there. Britton Johnson scored a gazillion points. But. Well, yeah, he used that position as a space guy, run the floor, and then obviously defend. You had to defend because a lot of the other teams, that was the position that did a lot of the scoring. So he looked for a defender at that position, and he had Andre in the great years, Andre and then the big men. So that, that was one of his recipes for score uh, for success, and obviously he had a ton of success. And then he had the, the what would you consider the two guard? He had him run the floor, get down there, so the defense has to account for you, and that created more room for guys like Andre to drive, and then the, also two for big men to do their thing. And those shooting guards got to take one or two shots every single half, but no more. The non-shooting guard. Exactly. All right, so a lot of people uh, commented on the Sam Merrill greatest shooting guard in Utah since Danny Ainge. The question, what will happen for the Cougars and Utes, actually did draw a handful of responses. Jason, LOL, what will happen with the Utes? Fortunately, the season will be over on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think they're capable of winning Wednesday. Uh, They split with Oregon State home and home, so... Seems like that game's a toss-up, and then the winner gets Oregon. Yikes! 50-50 yeah, to win the first one. and they took Oregon down to the wire at home. at home. So, you know, I'm not expecting them to win Wednesday, or Thursday, I mean, but I, I think they have a decent shot to win Wednesday. I don't see where that's outrageous. Colton dismisses the whole discussion. Who cares? The Aggies are winners. Yeah, there's no debate there, though. That's a big big part of what this show and most sports talk shows are about. Can't debate. The Aggies won, PK. How about that? I'd like to argue with you, but I find that literally impossible. <laughs> Since the Aggies did actually win. Dylan thinks Correct. the Cougars could join the Aggies as conference tournament champs. The Cougars could win the WCC tourney. He didn't get very far out on the limb there. John finds that hilarious. Well, certainly they could win. Yeah, we know that. And I'm looking forward to these games uh, tonight and if there is one tomorrow because this is the best team that they've had since they've been in the West Coast Conference. I don't think anybody can argue that. And so they have this opportunity. They've they got two tough ball games against two tough teams. Uh, we'll see. Maybe St. Mary's has a little hangover effect of the double overtime on Saturday night uh, against Pepperdine. Uh, they did have, obviously, off yesterday as far as any athletic competition. They probably had some form of meetings and whatnot. And so you know, maybe Jordan Ford won't be as hot as he was. He's a nice player. Fitz is a nice player for St. Mary's. Uh, I give the little bit of edge to the Cougars. We had Tim Lacombe on last week when you were out of town. And he was talking about he felt that it would be a very, very much a comfortable win uh, I don't know that he said blowout, but he was saying that they should win 
not not easily, but win by a margin that would not be extended right down to the final minute or two or the final seconds or two in the case of the Aggies against the Aztecs. So, you know, he called that Gonzaga win for BYU a couple of weeks back. So he did say that uh, last Wednesday uh, and have that opportunity to do this. But this team's got a ton of momentum, obviously. That, they haven't had this type of momentum, I don't think, ever uh, since they've been in the West Coast Conference. I don't think he can argue that. And I'd have to go back to that Jimmer year. But at the same time, that Jimmer season, you know, they suffered a what turned out to be a Final Four devastating blow with the loss of Brandon Davies. I believe that they would have gone to the Final Four if he would have been allowed to suit up. Nevertheless, he wasn't. That'll never change. But this team is riding extremely high and couldn't be more confident. So I'm expecting them to win tonight, but I can't guarantee you. And then it sets up, assuming, obviously, that Gonzaga beat San Francisco tonight, sends a, sets up a great, great matchup between two ranked teams, I would imagine. Is this a game on ESPN? Is that who's uh, doing the television? That they would just love that. They would love a BYU-Gonzaga matchup on a Tuesday night. I mean, that would that's what the West Coast Conference, that's why they have this tournament early. The, the Mountain West moved it early because of some issues with the Thomas and Mack. But the West Coast, they've had it t- traditionally this time so they can grab their share of the publicity on the Tuesday night. Well, you get BYU-Gonzaga, you will never have a better opportunity to get as much exposure and as much publicity if it comes to pass that those two teams are playing for the title tomorrow. So <clears throat> BYU has their best team since Jimmer. They've beaten Gonzaga in other years, but they haven't had this kind of momentum as a whole. They've had a big win, but they haven't been on this kind of run over a longer period of time. But then on the flip side, is this the best Gonzaga team? And they've got a Final Four team. They had the undefeated team where the Utes wrecked them on senior night. How good is this Gonzaga team? Because it's not just the Cougars, obviously, if they can get past St. Mary's to win the conference tournament. I don't think – I thought – I thought earlier in the year that I might go with this is the most complete Gonzaga team, maybe not the most talent, because sometimes the teams that have the most talent don't always win. We've seen that a bunch of times. But I'm just not sold on their guard play. I mean, they're big men. they got three big men who are very good. Uh, but with BYU and Childs, he's right there with any of their big men. And, you know, Lee and Baxter aren't, aren't stiffs. Uh, they may not be quite as good as Gonzaga's other big men, but you, know, you can put them in there and they can do some stuff. I don't know if Nixon's going to play. I haven't heard. I don't think he is, but I don't know that. Uh, and so then you get the guard line really has a significant advantage for BYU. And I'm not sure BYU Anytime they've played Gonzaga, this is their, this should be their ninth season, if I'm correct, since they've been in the conference. I'm not sure any area on their basketball team had a significant advantage over any areas of Gonzaga's basketball team. But I do think right now, going in, if they should play tomorrow, I do think BYU's guard line has a significant advantage over Gonzaga's guard line. And Childs can hold his own. And then, as I said... In fact, I can argue that he's better than any of those guys that Gonzaga has. And then Baxter and Lee, and even Celius plays. He's not uh, you know, a traditional 6'9", 6'10", dude, but with his aggression, and he's got decent size and decent strength, he, play, he can play a big man position. So the, the gap between those two isn't as narrow 
as it used to be. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves because they still got to play yep. and beat St. Mary's, but you can see where they can have success against Gonzaga. So if you handicap the four teams left, the odds they win the, uh, the conference tournament title, I'll throw it out. Gonzaga 60, BYU 30, St. Mary's 10, USF 0. Fix those numbers if you want, or just agree, <laughs> which is what I'd prefer. Well, Quentin Daly isn't walking through that door for San Francisco, so I think I have to go that. I, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't say zero. Uh, that's somebody. Okay, St. Mary's nine, USF one, because they get to play the games. There's always a long shot. Yeah, they'll have to make a lot of long shots. Literally. Uh, what, what, what was Gonzaga and BYU again? Sixty, thirty, and now nine and one. Uh, man, only thirty percent chance. That seems awfully low. Fifty Gonzaga, forty BYU, nine and one. All right, I can live with that a little bit more. Yeah, and then all right, assume for a second, which you know it's it's, it's hard to do, but just assume that the the seeds hold true. Then what are you looking at? I'm debating 60-40 and 50-50. <laughs> okay. I, I could probably live with uh, both of those. I think that, uh, you know, th- this is the best BYU team. Anything you say, well, in the past, okay, they've only got three losses. They're second place. They've only finished second in the conference twice. They're routinely third. Yeah. You know, this, right. this is a better BYU team. The seniors, the balance scoring, the ability of multiple guys to carry them on any given night, that's a huge plus. Um, you know, I, I just don't feel like I've watched Gonzaga enough. You know, we watch so much jazz, and then we try to watch the Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. So I see a little bit here and there. It's hard to know, you know, is Gonzaga, are they peaking now? Are they playing their best? How much do the Cougars want this? How much is the goal? I mean, you want to win the conference tournament. There's a little more pressure on the Aggies to do it because there's a chance they could have missed. You know, you leave it up to somebody else. Um, there's no chance that Gonzaga and BYU are going to miss. This is something you'd like to win, but it doesn't matter if you do. When the Utes went to the Final Four and went to the title game, they didn't win the conference tournament. So it's a nice thing to have. You know, I think you got to measure as Gonzaga's used to having it, though. This is like a box they routinely check and they like to check. So even though they don't have to have it, I think they get the one seed whether they win this tournament or not. Maybe if they lose to USF, they wouldn't get the one seed. I don't know the math on that. But assuming they beat USF, they're going to be a one seed. And San Diego State gave them some cushion there, if nothing else. Well, the thing that I will say is that in the moment, it's the most important thing. Right. If you take a step back, all right, I understand next week is more important than this week and so forth and so on. But nevertheless, in the moment, in an arena that will be packed with Gonzaga folk, and they don't want to allow what they would consider little brother in the scope of things to have their moment. So... When I walk into that arena tonight, or it would actually be tomorrow night, even even tonight, because it'll be a ton of Gonzaga fans. It's just that they, it's to the point where they have, there's a little courtyard area uh, between the hotel and the arena, 
and they have a tailgating thing. That's for Gonzaga. No one else has it. Not, it's not even close. Nothing is even close to what Gonzaga has. So I just think that this is actually the crowds that they play for. Are, it's not quite double than the home crowd, but this is the most Gonzaga fans that they will play in front of these two games here tonight and tomorrow because the McCarthy Center, which is named after people used to own the Salt Lake Tribune, they're Salt Lake people, great people, they built that thing up there in Spokane, big Gonzaga folks, and that's much smaller than the Orleans. So I don't want to say everything because it's not true, but everything in the moment is on the line, if that makes sense. And they give you a trophy. They have a celebration. You know, it's like one of these preseason tournaments. You'll hear coaches, yeah, we won that tournament. We won that championship. Well, wait a second. What are you talking about? But but because it's a tournament, it just takes on more importance. And I think that I really want to see these two teams battle tomorrow. That's my, I, w- I want the Cougars to win tonight, so we set it up for tomorrow. It seemed like tomorrow would be a lot of fun. There would be a lot of passion in that arena. It, it would be like you talk about Jimmer. It's go back uh, to when he was there. What was that, 2011, in the spring of 2011? It's the same thing. They're playing in the Thomas and Mac in that semifinal against New Mexico. I think he had like 53 mm-hmm. points. The Cougars were already in the NCAA tournament. That was no question. But that was one of the best games I'd ever been to because just the atmosphere, and you can't help but give your best. And in that case, you had 17,000, 18,000 people. The Orleans Arena isn't going to be nearly as big. It just isn't. But the intensity will be big time. So I throw that stuff out as far as there really is no, neither team is the more desperate team. This is something that, for BYU's sake, they've never done. I mean, they, going back, uh, they won the the Mountain West thing once. They beat New Mexico in the finals in what, like two thousand three or four or something. And if I remember correctly, I think UNLV had some probation issues and wasn't allowed to play in that particular tournament that's on their home floor. But other than that, that's it. So they haven't won one in in almost twenty years. So they really want to win. And Gonzaga, just in the moment, you really want to win. So it sets it up. They've got to find a way to get past St. Mary's tonight. But I would think that once, if we got to that tomorrow, I think it would be sort of an, an even-steven type deal. This is, this is the best scenario for the West Coast Conference. It's never been this good since the Cougars have joined. And they're going to get a ton of run tonight and tomorrow. And good for them. Good for the conference. They've earned it. The, the with these three teams being here, they've earned the right, and these three teams are really good. They've earned the right to get this type of national exposure. So I'm curious here, and you probably know as well as anyone because you go to the conference tournament every year, How for the BYU fan who's listening to this, getting fired up, thinking, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I move a couple meetings. I'm down there. How hard is it to get a semifinal ticket because they don't clear the arena, and St. Mary's fans will have some portion of them. How hard will it be to get, assuming that BYU wins, how hard will it be to get a final ticket with USF and St. Mary's if they were to lose, freeing up a handful of tickets anyway? Yeah, I mean, is, I'm is not it in worth the drive, market. Right, is it worth the drive down? I, I know, but when you walk into the arena, maybe you see people moving tickets, maybe you hear people talking about it, you would know better than us. Or maybe you just well, don't. You just maybe there's just yeah. nothing available. It just doesn't like drive no. that you want. But I can't promise you a thing. 
every year I've sold my credential for oh, uh, fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> Only fifteen hundred. Which I then, of course, which I then, of course, I donate to charity. So I want to make sure that I'm on par, <laughs> at least rep wise, with David James Sniggledorf. That's golf reference on there. You just go golf after uh, you sell your credential, right? <laughs> on par. I see what you're well, th- that, That's the thing about it. I was talking to my wife on uh, Saturday, and we're watching the Aggie game, and they're showing the students. Well, y- y- it's back in the old days where you can get in a car and drive down if they if the team got that far because it's on a Saturday, mm-hmm. right? Or the, the the semifinals on a Friday. And the and arena here, can sell out, so you can just literally walk up to the ticket window and get a ticket. Most times that that Jimmer year when and that's when they had the Kawhi year too for San Diego State and so that thing was electric that 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 puppy I was sitting Scotty was sitting right next to me in the press area that that Friday Saturday and that thing was incredible it was it was a shame that we knew it was the conference was being broken up but it was a shame because I mean that was that was and that was that was with Utah not even being good if you remember back the the Utes were slumping at that point yep. and they were the dominant team for so many years uh, so. Yeah, I think that there are always going to be tickets available. It's just a cost of a question of what price. You can always find a way. The games are never sold out, is what I've been told. I mean, the Andersons got tickets. So, you know, you'd have to think that uh, you know you you can get them. But yeah, it, it is. It's a tough ticket for sure because it's a smaller arena. The Orleans, you know, basically doesn't have an upper bowl. Has a lower bowl, and then they have suites at the top of the lower bowl. But there literally is no upper bowl when you walk into it. I've been in there many times now, but the first time you walk in it, you're like. Okay, where's the upper bowl? Because <laughs> you're, you're used to seeing it, and it, it isn't there. Uh, but yeah, the, the place is just jammed, and it's just jammed with Gonzaga red. And it's, I'm interested actually to see because I don't think your question is a pertinent question because there are people who have the opportunity to drive down either today or tomorrow. But I don't believe that they've ever done it on the spur of the moment because I don't believe they ever thought they were going to win. Right, exactly. And that's and, why this year is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you, you can come down as you get on I-15 and come down south. You can legitimately feel, hey, we got a chance to win, and I want to be there, man, because I want to be there when we celebrate. You know, it's like the SC game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I want to be there so I could be on the floor and – I'm on the field when they beat USC, and we saw what happened, and all these fans came running over. And I can argue, off the top of my head, that's the best moment since you've been independent. Well, if you beat Gonzaga tomorrow, that's the best moment since you've been in the West Coast Conference, and we're coming up on a decade. So who wouldn't want to be there in that situation? And so find a way to get in. It's going to cost because Gonzaga fans, you know, as I understand it, they buy season tickets from uh, other schools that I can't imagine. I can't imagine Portland's season tickets are that expensive, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so then you can buy your your tournament tickets through your season tickets at Portland. It's like the, it's what what we see Notre, Notre Dame, Dame does in football yeah. that they buy other teams' season tickets so at least they can go to one. Notre Dame game on the road if uh, if they're if they're playing at, at you know wherever BYU if they should ever fall through on that schedule but they've obviously played in Provo a few times before so on a smaller scale that's what you have here and it's a lot of fun if you can get in there man I would encourage BYU fans to find a way I mean I'm, I'm not 
then not can you if you don't because it's a Tuesday night and it's cost money and time and everything. But if you can get inside that arena, should they get past St. Mary's tonight? And I think what's, what's going to be interesting tonight is that you know Gonzaga plays the first game, right? Well, if Gonzaga loses, well then all the air goes out. But we're expecting them to win, and then I'm wondering Gonzaga fans will stay. I'm wondering who they root for because you can always tell. And it had always been from my years of experience in the WAC Mountain West, all those teams, no matter who BYU was playing, they were fans of the other team. BYU was the most hated, even above Utah. And when Utah had it going on, Majerus was a lightning rod, but still. I remember my first year, my first conference tournament was in the pit in New Mexico in 1994. And, or, uh, 94 was was the Salt Lake, but the first away one, and they brought out all the cheerleaders from all the teams. And when they introduced the BYU cheerleaders, they booed like crazy down in New Mexico. And I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, I really hadn't had a whole lot of experience with the BYU hatred growing up where I grew up. You just knew they played good football, and that was pretty much it. And so I'm interested to see what happens with Gonzaga fans, who do they root for tonight? Do they root for St. Mary's? Because if they root for St. Mary's, I think that's a big-time show of respect is that we want St. Mary's. They're the easier team. But St. Mary's beat Gonzaga last year in the conference final, if you recall. So that's going to be an interesting little side note is to see what's the vibe inside the arena tonight when these two teams tip off after the first game. Well, I would imagine there'll be, I don't know, 50 to 100 USF tickets that come available. And if BYU wins, what does St. Mary's have there? Maybe three to four, 500 people? I mean, I would think St. Mary's travels a little bit because they go every year. Yeah, they, I'm think, sure they do. They, so they have, a, they have there, a decent rep. There'd be, there'd be some tickets coming available. I just don't know how many Cougar and Gonzaga fans would be trying to crash that final and what it'll cost you to get in. But it ought, it ought to be fun. I mean, we know what the last Cougar game felt like. So oh, yeah. get in on the third one if if it happens, if they take care of business. And PK, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, while we were talking about it, uh, ESPN just did a segment with Seth Greenberg on the set of SportsCenter there talking about Gonzaga and the one seed and breaking stuff down. So the West Coast Conference definitely getting getting more run this year with three tourney teams than they get in the average year. No yeah, good on that. them. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, the Utah Jazz, a win streak after a losing streak after a win streak after a losing streak after a win streak. All right, we'll try to figure that out. Next, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. I think some of the things have been better. The end result of the whole lineup thing is that they've got this pretty good second-tier lineup now. Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles are playing with George Niang and Tony Bradley. I'm pretty excited about that. The ball movement has been better. They've had more open catch-and-shoot threes. You know, the defense is what has to get better. It's really hard to tell in these games whether the defense is getting better because the bottom four or five teams in the Eastern Conference are just so bad. So that seems perfectly fine to me. It just doesn't come out very well statistically. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Listen Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to the Brad Paisley, country music superstar Brad Paisley limiting 
Lining up another leg of his Love and War supporting tour for 2020. He's bringing along plenty of friends and special guests to help make it this year's most fun country show. Your chance to see him live with special guests Jordan Davis and Gabby Barrett is Saturday, May 30th at the Sony Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. We'll be giving away Brad Paisley tickets Wednesday. All right, the Jazz have done it, PK. They've swept a four-game road trip. They have won five in a row after losing four in a row, after winning four in a row, after losing five in a row, after winning four in a row. Can you figure this out? You got anything for us? I said earlier the most optimistic thing is the first losing streak. They won 19 out of 21. They were due. And the other one, they slumped out of the all-star break because they thought that they had things handled. Too positive? The slumpage out of the All-Star break is something that is baffling. Yes. Uh, but you know, Mike Conley obviously is uh, someone who is in his 30s, so he's an elder statesman in this league. And I listened to him after one of these games on this road trip. I forget which one it was, but he's talking about how, you know, teams go through slumps. That's just that's just the reality of it. It's, it's how long, two things. How many slumps do you have? How long is the slump? But that, okay, so that remains to be seen individually. Each team answers that question based over the 82-game season in its own ways, right? Depending on how good you are, how long is the slump? So the Jazz have a fair amount of talent. So they, they basically had, what, two slumps, you could say, so far here in the last several weeks. And they weren't that long comparatively. It's just that the second one, even maybe even the first one, but the second one was certainly a surprise because you, were playing, you weren't playing great teams and you were playing them at home. But nevertheless, it happened. And for them, they felt like they were going to get out of it. And they did get out of it. Now, since they are out of it, I don't think we can argue that they're in it anymore. They are out of it. So now, how long can you keep playing well? That's the thing you want to answer rather than how long is this slump going to last is how long are we going to keep playing well? You'd much rather be answering that question, have that be the mystery on your team as opposed to how long is this slump going to be and right now they're playing great now they've had some advantages they're not playing all great teams and then the Celtics missing two contributors uh, when they played them uh, who uh, Hayward and Brown didn't play Hayward played yesterday they still lost I don't think Brown played and so now they're getting Toronto who played last night against Sacramento and if you look at their box score which obviously we did because we pay attention to this and that game was even on TV I think it was on NBA TV their starters played huge minutes against uh, Sacramento. Sacramento lost, as they normally do, but they extended the Raptors to a great deal to the point where I think every starter played at least 36 minutes. Sacramento, Toronto scored 113 points, or 118, and I think the starters had 111 of them. The bench only had like seven points. So they have an opportunity to continue, and guys are finding their way. And what I mean by that is that everybody, and we said this at the end of last week, everybody's doing what they need to do individually. And I'm sure you saw it, man. Niang and a couple other guys basically said, get the bleep off Conley's back. Did you see that? Yep. 
You know, yeah. he uh, I, there. I think most people are off his back. I think there's a, you know, social media allows the loudest voices to be heard, whether they make any sense or not. And the people who staked out the Mike Conley blows the trade was a disaster thing, uh, you know two or three weeks ago and have just stuck to it. You know, we were talking last week about he's got a 10-game sample now that's pretty good. Now, 31% of the people who voted in our little Twitter poll, got about 500 votes, thought he could get even better. I was like, 15 and 5, take that. But then he goes out and just has an enormous game. Just enormous. Now, the average over time, we'll see how that plays out. But... It, it passes the eyeball test right now. It's like if that slump out of the All-Star break is what Conley says it was, is just like, I don't know, they played bad for four or five games because teams play bad for four games. It happens. If that's the last stretch they have like that, they're probably in pretty good shape. I mean, what they have coming up looks like just a tougher schedule. You know, they got the Lakers twice. They got the Thunder. They got the Raptors. Now, it's like you say, it's mitigated. How many times are you hitting somebody on a back-to-back? Are you playing somebody who's missing a key key player? But, you know, the Nuggets are playing the Bucks tonight, and Giannis isn't playing. So this is happening all over the leagues. The, the fact that the Lakers and Clippers played and the top two guys on each, t- each team were there, the way those teams have gone, I, I don't think we could guarantee that. It was kind of, I don't know if relief is the right word, but it was good to see that, okay, they're really going to go at each other and somebody's not going to be missing one of their key guys. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's why I don't get caught up in that because I think that stuff evens out. And if, if you can remove yourself a little bit, I think maybe it's wise not to get caught up when your team loses three or four in a row too because – over the course of 82, your talent is going to indicate where you end up being. And for the Jazz now, they got it back going again. And so the vibe is good. It's crazy, man, how we looked at Houston. Oh, my gosh, Jazz have no chance if they should play against Houston in the playoffs. Oh, brother, it's a first-round exit. They're not going to have home court. Well, now all of a sudden it's like almost to the point, well, forget Houston. Let's go get that uh, three seed again. And you're only a couple of games back of the two seed. But get the three seed and then see, well, then, you know, you get the three seed. Now who are you going to play? You might play Houston again, only instead of the 4-5, it might be the 3-6 with you being the three. This is a crazy ride here, and we still have, what, another five weeks to go. And that's I'm looking forward to this to see what happens because much like the West Coast Conference Tournament, I can't tell you what's going to happen. And when we get to the postseason in the first rounds, you know, maybe the Lakers are over here and – and the Clippers are over there, and they're going to win their first rounds. But those other series are going to be, be some pretty good ball clubs. <laughs> they're gonna be great. And who's going to win? I don't know. I don't know who's going to win, man. And that, to me, that's a lot of fun. I don't even know who's going to finish second. I, I think it's going to be the Clippers. I don't know who's going to finish third. I really have no idea who's going to finish third, and I really have no idea who's going to finish sixth or seventh. Uh, I, and as a sports fan. The mystery of it all and watching it unfold because that means teams have to ball. They have to give everything they have to get where they want to go. And maybe there's some teams that don't really care if they're two or three or what have you. Okay, fine. So they don't necessarily give it their all now. But when we get to the postseason, obviously, you're going to give it your all. And if I go into a series and I don't know who's going to win, there's two things. I'm pretty much guaranteed that guys are just going to – it's going to be fun. And I'm probably – guaranteed that it's going to be a long series and if i got that 
man, I am completely and totally interested, and it's got all my energies, and I'm making sure, well, for us, obviously the Jazz are work, so we have to do it, but I'm going to make sure I allow for time to watch the other games, too, and I can't tell you what's going to happen, but what I can tell you is the Jazz are right where they should be, I think right where they need to be, and it's this is the most promising I felt about the team, which is crazy to say, because this time last week, I could argue it's the worst I felt about the team, <laughs> and now here we are just a few days later, and it's the best. I felt about the team this season. Well, that's because they won five in a row after losing four in a row after winning four in a row after losing five in a row after winning four in a row. So no wonder you're having mood swings. Yes, and I think it's and obviously the wins are what matter the most. But I think an addendum to the wins is that Conley seems to have settled in and is playing clearly his best basketball of the season. That's why they acquired this dude. And so with that in mind, it looks like this is the best that they're playing right now. And right as we sit here this morning, going through the next week and a half, it's a stretch of some really good teams coming either into the arena or you're going out on the road. In the case of the Lakers, it's both and I'm looking forward to that let's see where you stack up all you do is you want a shot to show how good you are and they've got this opportunity over the next uh, week plus DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone Steve Cleveland our basketball insider is talking jazz and Aggies and Cougars next stay with us